My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. Taking creatine as a potential additional support for inducing sleep, supporting better and deeper sleep. It's shown that if you spend too much time in bed and you can't go to bed quickly, it can actually interfere with later sleep processes. As well. Could I stack with ketones? I mean, really, in, in my opinion, in my own anecdotal testing thus far, the answer is, is yes, especially on an active day. Wake up to my alarm and be like, you know, what? I want to like go back into like a lighter sleep state. Think about this. And I actually went back to sleep and kind of almost like processed it for a while. Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. Are you ready to get a golden milk latte without spending eight bucks at the local coffee shop? There's this stuff. It's this gold latte premixed blend, delicious and filled with superfoods and medicinal mushrooms. It is one of the best nighttime tonics. Keeps your mind off of ice cream and other sweets at night. Kind of heals your body while you sleep. I shouldn't say heals. I don't even know if I can say that. Heals, cures. All I, all I know is it makes you feel amazing because it promotes restful sleep and supports physical recovery. You wake up refreshed without drowsiness. Tastes delicious and like a little bit of warm coconut milk. Oh, so good. Low sugar. So it's a dessert-like tea that's guilt-free. 100% USDA certified organic. It's called Organifi Gold. Organifi makes these amazing juice powders. Organifi Gold is turmeric and ginger and reishi mushroom. And oh, it's all blended together and tastes so, so good. They've got lemon butter in there and turkey tail as well, which are super nourishing to your gut and your immune system. You get 20% off of this stuff. You go to Organifi.com slash Ben. That's Organifi with an I.com slash Ben, and that will get you 20% off your order from Organifi. And that's the gold juice powder I just told you about. I like to see what's going on inside my body. I don't like to pay a lot of money to do it, and I want it interpreted for me. And that's what Inside Tracker does. Okay, I got a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, optimize health. They test my blood. They send me the kit. They can do DNA. They can do blood. They can do fitness tracking. They have a sick app that keeps track of all of it for you. So you don't even necessarily have to sit down with like a doctor and have them go through all the results with you because it's super easy to just understand your blood from what they send to you. And uh, they have these super comprehensive blood and biomarker tests that tell you everything that's going on inside your body. You can even connect it with your Fitbit or your Garmin. So you can kind of connect your devices and get real-time recovery tips, for example, after workout. So it's kind of like having a personal trainer and a nutritionist and like a blood interpretive person all in your pocket all at once. It's a lot of people. So anyways, for a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. You go to insidetracker.com slash Ben. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Ben. That gives you 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Enjoy. All right. So what you are about to hear is an interview with my friend, co-founder and CEO of Keon. The reason that I wanted to feature this podcast, which is a sleep podcast that I released a few months ago with Angelo Keeley, my guest on today's show, is because in that last episode, we talked about how me and he, that rhymes, actually solved almost all our sleep issues, especially like with travel and stress with one product that's got three clinically proven ingredients in it. Now, here's the deal. I've been using it ever since that episode. It has crushed sleep for me. I actually have to be careful when I take it because I time it like 10 to 15 minutes before bed. If I take it much farther from bed than that, I'm groggy before I even get into bed. But I find that if I get in bed, pop them, 
open a book, read 10, 15 minutes, boom. I don't even remember falling asleep when I take this stuff. And it's supernatural. And you're not groggy the next day. Just called Keon Sleep, K-I-O-N Sleep. You can get it at getkeon.com. Anyways, the reason I'm releasing this interview again, kind of updating it, is that we just released this powdered version of it. And it works like even better. Not only that, but it's got a honey lavender flavor. It's to die for. I just mix it with a little bit of water and it's one scoop. It's all you need. You take the the capsules, it's three of them. And I actually liked them to hit my system faster. So I used to chew on the capsules. But now this honey lavender sleep powder is so, so good. So if you want it, go to getkeon.com. You can find it. It's called Keon Sleep. And the powder that we talk about is the new honey lavender version. It is so good and so effective. That's going to help you sleep so well. So enjoy. You've probably seen me on social media talking about how I have vastly simplified my personal sleep protocol. And uh, the way that I've done that is by taking just three teeny tiny white uh, capsules of this new stuff called... Uh, you know, whoever thought of this name wasn't very creative. Sleep. It's the it's the it's the Keon Sleep supplement that I have been popping now. And as far as like how fast I fall asleep, how long I stay asleep, how good my restfulness scores are, it's it's pretty shocking. Like more than I actually even anticipated after having kind of like studied up on a lot of the ingredients that are in this thing. So my guest on today's podcast has joined me multiple times. We did a really comprehensive show on pretty much everything that you need to know about protein powder and amino acids. Uh, I'll link to that one in the show notes. We also did a show about his background and uh, everything from uh, from uh, kettlebells and meditation and, and ketogenic donuts and, and a whole lot more. That was a fun episode too. And I'll link to that one in the show notes as well, uh, which are all going to be at bengreenfieldfitness.com slash sleep podcast. That's bengreenfieldfitness.com slash sleep podcast. If you haven't guessed already, my guest on today's show is the great, the wonderful, straight out of Boulder, the man himself, Angelo Keeley, the co-founder and CEO of Keon and my friend, and a great guy, father, husband, and somebody who is now helping a whole lot of people sleep better. Welcome to the show, Angelo. I love being here, man. And um, it's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if we would have waited a couple of weeks, we could have done it while we were just like sitting in an ice bath or a hot tub or, I don't know, swinging some kettlebells with one hand and holding the microphone and the other up, up here at my pad. I can't wait to see you in a few weeks, man. I know, man. I can't wait to be there. Yeah. I'm... Uh, it's been too long. Yeah, it's been really long since I've been to Spokane. I feel like you've been to Boulder and you were at the retreat, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. last year and stuff. But I haven't been up to Spokane in a while, so I'm stoked to see you and and Jessa and the boys. Yes, you have to come steak. visit. Come visit Spoke Compton, Spoke Kazakhstan. We actually are doing uh, just just opening the kimono for folks. We're going to do a really cool uh, steak and meet a palooza video while Angelo's up here. So Angelo, uh, probably not a good idea to bring any of your vegan friends. They might go hungry, but. We'll, we'll, we'll have some, some carnivore action to go around. So anyway, I ate uh, all my vegan friends. So oh, that's left. <laughs> that was nice of you. I'm sure they were tender. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about sleep, man. Let's talk about sleep before we lose all of our, our plant loving listeners. Uh, 
so, uh, you, you know, you and I have gone back and forth. Gosh, I don't know how many phone calls we've had about how can we help people sleep better? What are the things that are actually like proven in human cl- clinical research to support sleep and support sleep the right way? What are the things that you can consume that help you to sleep, but unlike, say, THC or high-dose melatonin or, or Valium or diazepam or an antihistamine don't keep you drowsy the next morning or just like F with your sleep architecture big time, even if you are sleeping. So, you know, we've gone back and forth and back and forth. And then like last month, we finally brought to the masses this this crazy effective sleep supplement that I, I want to talk about, but I don't want to put the cart before the horse, even though I don't understand what that means. Cause I drive a car and, uh, I, I want to talk about sleep first of all, because I think it is important, you know, despite this perhaps being slightly boring for people, I, w- I want to get into, into laying out some of the, some of the, the, the baseline of why sleep is important. But before we even do that, uh, I would love to just get a quick catch up on you and in particular what you've been up to in the realm of sleep because you know what you've shared with me is that you've you've been diving in pretty heavily like sleep research and even like psychoanalysis and sleep and dreams so fill me in man well man just like you said you know we've been going back and forth on this for even before we kicked off the sleep supplement project it's been like years right that we've been talking about sleep and trying to figure out if keon makes a product in sleep why would we do it? How would it work? You know, like, why would it matter? And, you know, from that perspective, it, it's just important to, to not just be looking at research and not just be being kind of like ultra technical about it, but like really thinking about what sleep means for people and why it matters. That said, I already like loved to sleep. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. was intrigued by sleep and intrigued by dreams and, you know, tracked my sleep. So, um, it's really just been like a, a deepening of that. Um, and, you know, I think what some people don't realize is, you know, it's not just like you and I talking about this. We have like researchers and scientists and people bringing us ideas and um, and all different types of studies. And so to be able to really participate in that and break it apart and have super constructive dialogue, you just have to, you have to immerse yourself in it. So it's been awesome and I've, I've loved it. And then honestly, separate from that, um, I did about two years ago, I've always been interested in in being a better person mm-hmm. and that there's potential for different types of like therapeutic models to support with that, whether they're um, just talk therapy or somatic or some type of drug induced therapy, like just always been curious about that and how to and how to get better. And I, I did engage. I got this opportunity to engage in three times a week psychoanalysis and I've been doing it for the last two years now. Jeez. And it's not like it's not like the most traditional Freudian thing, but it's uh, it's definitely like of of that tradition and very um, it's been intriguing and it's really enhanced my dream life. It's it's gotten to the point where, you know, I intentionally try to go to sleep to to remember what my dreams are when I wake them up to journal about them. Really? To, yeah. Okay, so I want, I want to them, hear a little bit more about, about them, that. Talk about them in therapy. It's it's been really intriguing. So so tell me like because where where I'm at, Angelo, is like I know I dream. I sometimes have like certain dreams that recur. Like one is me wandering through some massive city with some friends, like trying to solve some puzzle, but it just like never ends. And then I get re injected back into that dream. It seems like on a weekly basis. I'm sure there's there's some 
thing that I need to resolve in my life that my brain just keeps coming back to and trying to process. But despite me knowing and hearing about the value of keeping a dream journal that you can just like wake up and write it down before you forget it. Or if you wake up during the night, write it down before you forget it. I, I, I just don't do it, but it sounds like you are actually like doing that and getting benefit out of it. I am. And I think there's two ways of responding to you in that and about why it may be important. One would be more mechanistic and theoretical. Like, yeah, when you dream, it means this and you need to dissect it in this exact same way. And to be totally honest, through my own process of doing this work, as well as studying the history of dream interpretation from Freud up into more contemporary, like empirical studies, we still don't really know <laughs> what it is. I mean, there's definitely it seems like there's very strong significance uh, of either some form of processing emotional valence of mm -hmm. memories in REM dreams. Like it's, it seems like there's a pretty strong sense of that. The degree to which like it needs to be interpreted in certain ways or, or what the things mean, are they like veiled um, more distressing thoughts that you don't feel comfortable with bringing up like in your regular consciousness and thus that's why your dream does it, but you'll remember part of it. Like I don't know about all that. What I can say though now personally, kind of my second approach to the question is absolutely through through the process of bringing more of my thoughts that I have in my mind, but maybe I, I wasn't as comfortable saying or thinking about or admitting or talking through by bringing them out verbally and talking about them. And then in the same way, doing that with my dreams. So acknowledging what my dreams are, writing about them, thinking about them. Overall, it's influenced a process for me of being more comfortable with myself, hmm. being more clear about what I'm feeling, uh, being more clear about maybe what certain sensations I have at different moments are actually reflecting certain feelings or emotional states, and ultimately, you know, being a better husband, being a better dad, being more emotionally present. So, you know, is it does it all go down to the dreams, or does it you know is it more about the talk therapy? You know, I, I can't. I haven't been doing some kind of you know, clinical no, study. I mean, I'm it. sure it's multimodal. It. Yeah, it's like yeah. when somebody, whatever, switches to a, a low-carb diet. Yeah, maybe it's that their macros have been adjusted, but maybe it's also that they're not eating pizza on Saturday nights and drinking beer for dinner every night and, you know, having, having you know, oatmeal with oodles of maple syrup for breakfast or whatever. So there's obviously a lot of factors. But do you, do you literally keep, is it just like a journal and a pen by the bedside? I do. I have a, I have a journal that's specifically for recording dreams. Well, I would say specifically for, I've, I've adapted it some. Yeah. It's a journal that's specifically for dreams. So I don't include like planning and, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, like cool ideas for business or things like that. It's really just for, for dreaming. Sometimes I'll journal it before I go to bed, but that journaling will be more dream like, like poetry mm -hmm. or uh, almost like a prayer to dream. Actually, explicitly, like praying to dream in writing, and then when I wake up in the morning, uh, writing down whatever those dreams are, journaling about maybe what they mean mm. to me, um, but without any agenda. That like, I, there's no formal process I'm following. I'm just kind of doing that. One other yeah. thing I've done too is other uh, points in my life where I find myself uh, colloquially, colloquially, as we would say, fall asleep. Like I, I'm kind of like not conscious of what I'm doing. One of those places for me is overeating at dinner. Like I've got like the rest of my day is like pretty dialed in. For some reason, I still have this thing at dinner where it's like I'll eat enough and I still want to eat more. I've literally brought my dream journal like to the table 
and like write about what I'm feeling right then and kind of try to involve like different states of my consciousness in that because something's happening where I go kind of unconscious or, you know, if you find yourself kind of emotionally reacting in certain relationships, like maybe there's some way you've talked to your wife and like, man, I don't want to do that, but you like do it. Like I bring my, I bring my journal to those moments and try to connect it somehow, whether or not dreaming will actually impact that. I don't, I don't know, but it's working for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that part of it is, is just the mindfulness component in general. Like anytime that you're more mindful, chewing your food, breathing, paying attention to your bites, you know, finding what I've been calling lately, the, the space between the notes, which is of course, not just relevant to Mm. music, but also relevant to eating and looking people in the eyes and listening to someone's voice and driving in your car, you know, finding the space between the notes everywhere. When you're actually having to write down, you, you actually are just paying more attention mindfully period. Uh, But then the other thing that I'm curious about, oh, and, and by the way, my, my hack for the eating is I just always have (laughs) ketones and aminos waiting in the wings and I do those after dinner and I'm I'm good. If I know I have those waiting in the wings, I just know like I don't have to eat all this food so I don't wake up hungry later on tonight. Uh, however, I haven't, haven't tried the dream journal thing. But but one other question for you regarding the dream journal. Do you, um, if you dream and you wake up at night, do you start journaling right away or do you just wait until the morning and journal at all? It depends. Um, I actually had an experience. I had some pretty crazy dreams this last week and on Monday night, I like woke up. I typically wake up like around five, but I woke up earlier, like at like four thirty from the stream. And I just got up and I and I started journaling then. And um, but it's interesting. It was kind of like a more it was like a more stimulating, like really weird dream. And I didn't know what the things meant. I was kind of uncomfortable with it. I was like, I don't want to write this down. Like I don't even like like that this is in me kind of thing. And I think that's what made me like, dude, you just gotta like go for it. Like write it out. Like talk about what it is with yourself. Whereas on Tuesday night, I had I had a pretty intense dream, but it was like really pleasant and harmonious. And it like there was lots of sense making, like it made a lot of sense to me. And I found myself actually wake up to my I do. I set an alarm, wake up to my alarm and be like, you know, I want to like go back into like a lighter sleep state and kind of think about this. And I actually went back to sleep and almost like processed it for a while and then got up, you know, Hmm. about 90 minutes later and um and journaled then. So hmm. I don't. Yeah. You're, 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 you're making me want to journal my dreams. I, I, I will try Maybe when you come up here, that can be like my impetus. You got to hold me accountable and just like make me drag Dude. my dream journal to the dinner table. Or, or you, you could just like sit in a stool by my bed, kind of like Freud and just like kind of sit <laughs> yeah, there watching watch me you. sleep. Cause if I know you're watching, you know, and I'll wake up and yeah. you would be willing to do that for a friend, right? We'll offer you this invitation. If you're interested <laughs> in it, Start start doing your dream journaling now, and mm-hmm. then when we get there, we can talk about it. Okay. Because that's another thing I used to realize when people would talk about their dreams, I'd almost be like, "Oh, I don't know." Like it almost like freaked me out, like yeah. getting into other people's hearing about their dreams. And now I feel more like open to it. And yeah, okay, it's almost cool. It's like talking about people, like talking about kind of. I know it's another thing to connect on. So I, I would love it if we could do that. Well, my dreams are and, also are also super complex and seem to go for a really long time. So I have to tell you, I may use the voice memo function on my phone. I don't know if that's <laughs> cheating, but you know, one, getting up in the morning, you know, wandering around making coffee. I might just start talking my dreams to myself. I could do that, right? Totally do it. Okay. Man, and then, I'll, and then, I'll, then I'll send it to you to transcribe. 
Um, <laughs> what comes up though is now like I want to try that because I'm like, huh, yeah. I, want how, I wonder how like the somatic processing of writing versus like the yeah. oral expression of it might even be different. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it is. Well, I'll, I'll go get my uh, psychiatry degree and then come back before our next show and let you know. Uh, okay. So based on all that, you know, all, all this dreaming and everything, like I know I have my theories, but I, I want to hear yours. Like, why do you even think that not specifically why we dream? Cause you kind of alluded to that a little bit, but why, why would you say based on what you've learned with this deep dive you've done into sleep research and kind of turning yourself into a sleep ninja the, the past year or so, why, why do you actually think we sleep? And, and bonus points, if you can talk in like a, what's his name? Like a Matthew Walker kind of English accent as you, as you, <laughs> as you explain. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can hold that. I mean, uh, I, uh, I, I'll tell you, I'll be sleeping. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'll keep my normal. Um, okay accent for my response. One of the most interesting things about sleep is that we do it so much, you know, on average eight hours a night for our whole life. Well, a, a lot more when we're younger. And yet we still know very little about it. And surprisingly, like both how it works, why we do it, its purpose. And surprisingly, even compared to other bodily we were studying circulation. We were studying how the heart works, uh, breathing 200 years before. And really, we didn't really get into sleep until I, mean, I think Freud kind of brought it up in terms of like a, he, he said he was doing a scientific study on it. He, he wasn't really like we were just doing clearly what we were just talking mm. about dreams was not scientific. But he thought he was doing scientific. It wasn't. But then in the 20s, with the development of the, of the EEG, suddenly there was the ability to actually like measure brain activity 19, and not brain 1920s. activity. 1920s. 1924, okay. I think. Okay. I think guys, Hans Berger, he was a German physiologist who originally developed it. And the way the EEG works is that it, it measures brain activity um, in very large chunks. So it's not like it's measure, measuring like exactly how this neuron uh, fires. Instead, it's measuring overall brain activity in the entire brain, which is how we have since determined uh, the different stages of sleep, the types of um, the frequency, meaning like how fast, and the amplitude, how big the waves move across uh, different groups of neurons firing in our brain. It's really like only in the last hundred years. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's been behind other, you know, bodily studies of bodily function. In the summary of all that research, there's a few different hypotheses that have come up about why why we potentially sleep. Obviously, it's it's homeostatic, and it doesn't take like, <laughs> like a genius to observe that. Of like, you delay your sleep and you stay awake for a really long time, you feel like you need to sleep that much more, and you do. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't have enough sleep for many days during the week, there is a need and a true bodily function of getting catch-up sleep over the wake, so clearly over over the weekend. Mm -hmm. So clearly there's a relationship where sleep serves a purpose of refilling or recovering from some type of behavior that happens uh, or you know process from the body that happens during being awake. What exactly that process is, or are there many processes, I think is like that's that's the real question. The two most, I think, seriously considered are brain energy reserves. Okay. So literally the brain being able to refill its energy reserves. 
Um, and, and when you say brain energy reserves, are you referring to like the amino acid pool, creatine phosphate, ATP, like all the above? Glycogen stores. It's okay. literally glycogen really? stores. But okay. adenosine does play a very interesting role in this. But really, it's about it's about glycogen stores. So the brain, unlike other organs, actually contains its own kind of private glycogen stores and glial cells that the rest of the body doesn't have. And it specifically has that so that it can make sure that the brain keeps running and going. Um, but basically, in the as those glycogen stores are reduced, which is similar with the rest of the body, uh, adenosine is released. And adenosine naturally has this kind of sleep-inducing effect as well um, as it encourages you know, more blood flow into those cells. So there's, a pretty, there's, a, there's been pretty clear studies um, across many years that when you have increased periods of wakefulness, that um, your glycogen stores in the brain, well, so I want to be really clear here too. What's also interesting, all the study of sleep, is that we're basically combining human studies that are more, they're either measuring the actual um, reported behaviors and experiences of humans in scientific mm -hmm. studies, or EEG observation, and then we're combining that with more mechanistic studies within animals. Mm -hmm. So anytime we're talking about like, this is happening in the cell in this exact way, we have, there's almost none of that that's happened in humans. It's almost always happened in animals. But luckily, all animals sleep as well. And mammals and birds also have uh, non-REM and REM stages of sleep, which we can get into. So it's actually, it's a pretty good, you know, model to be going back and forth between trying to observe what's happening in an animal and what's happening in a human. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, the glycogen thing is super interesting because, you know, a, a lot of people, especially people who hear about how like good the ketogenic diet is for cognition, assume that the brain's primary source of fuel is ketones. Like you hear that all the time, like, oh, the brain loves ketones. And if you feed it glucose, you know, the analogy you hear the most is oh, it's like putting a bunch of chihuahuas with machine guns in your brain running around. But the fact is like the brain actually has glycogen stores like the liver, like the muscles. A lot of people don't realize that it will actually break down glycogen as well as rely upon lactic acid, similar to a lot of your muscles as a source of glucose. And technically, if, if you look at trace needs, like I've seen data all over the place, but it's like somewhere in, in the range of like 30 to 60 grams or so that your your brain will actually need as a daily fuel, thus dictating that like, especially for an exercising individual who wants proper neural function and bioavailable glucose substrates for, for your neural cells, you technically are going to really short yourself from a cognition standpoint if you're eating fewer than like 30 grams of carbohydrates on a daily basis, which many people who, who do like a ketogenic diet do. And granted, you can get some gluconeogenesis from protein, et cetera. But it, it's kind of interesting to think about the fact that the brain actually needs sugar. Some people don't think about that. And, and you know, I think other people will use that as an excuse for a tough day to eat a Snickers bar at the end of the day because, you know, you got to feed that brain. <laughs> but then the other interesting thing that I find is like, you know how you feel like kind of a, a cognitive pick-me-up after you've worked out? And and a lot of that totally. is obviously like epinephrine and norepinephrine and dopamine. You know, I checked the box, dopaminergic response, you know, all the good things that happen. But it is interesting because the Cori cycle will take lactic acid and convert it into glucose. 
And what also happens during exercise, and the one kind of exercise that really makes this happen is uh, blood flow restriction training, like when you, when you tourniquet the arms and legs, you get this huge dump in, in what's called VEGF, which is vascular endothelial growth factor, uh, along with brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So you have both these molecules rush to the head, increase blood flow to the head, all the lactic acid gets converted into glucose, that rushes to the head, and literally like doing a workout, and especially a workout that produces an appreciable amount of lactic acid, literally is like a gasoline tank for the brain, which is really interesting to think about. And then the last thing I'm just kind of thinking as you're talking, then I'll shut up is, uh, there, there you're, you're is, on the, I mean, you're right on point about all these things. Yeah. A- anecdotally, there's a lot of people who seem to benefit from using like I do, uh, ketone esters and amino acids before bed. And what do both offer? Well, they, they offer an alternative substrate to glucose. And, and, and that's interesting because obviously there is going to be a little bit of a cortisolic response to going hypoglycemic in the evening. And so if you can stave that off, not only with adequate carbohydrates with dinner, but then maybe throwing in some alternative substrates, you know, like, like amino acids or collagen or like ketones or MCT oil, you know, it is kind of a hack if you, if you look at this from a brain glycogenic standpoint. So, you know, just, just kind of a rabbit hole, but, but I thought that was interesting as you were describing that. And I think everything that you just went into is is totally around this frame of brain energy reserves. The exercise, I mean, is specifically around actually supporting these glycogen stores as well. And then yes, the ketone esters being this other potential support. I also think what is really interesting about this is, and I haven't gone as I haven't gone enough deep into all the research about why creatine potentially supports sleep. I feel like you've honestly done more of that than I have. Um, but the fact that the increase of not only these other inhibitory uh, neurotransmitters like GABA being the primary, but really like adenosine being this primary function that induces these deeper delta waves seems very closely tied somehow to, you know, taking creatine as a potential additional support for inducing sleep, supporting better and deeper sleep. So uh, you might have glutes, you might have abs. What about your gut? Your inputs and outputs, what you put into your body affects, for lack of a better turn of phrase, your poop. Truth is, we could all be doing it better, pooping better, and taking a daily probiotic-prebiotic combo helps to support healthy regularity. Enter Seed. Seed makes this stuff called a daily symbiotic, which combines 24 clinically and scientifically studied probiotic strains not found in yogurt, most supplements, or fermented foods and beverages. They support your gut health, aka easy poops, and that supports your whole body health. So each component of Seed's sustainable monthly refill system is designed not only to be good for you, but also for the planet. They got a refillable glass jar. They got compostable bio-based pouches. They got ecological paper made from algae that would otherwise damage fragile marine ecosystems. They got green cell foam made from corn that you can literally watch dissolve in water or eat. You could actually eat their packaging. I don't, but you could. The Seed probiotic, I think it's the most well-formulated probiotic that exists on the planet. I take three every day, mid-morning or mid-afternoon, empty stomach, boom, pop them, feel great. So you start a new healthy habit today with Seed, and here's how. Seed.com slash Ben and use code Ben15. That'll get you 15% off. S-E-E.com slash Ben and use code Ben15. That'll automatically get you 15% off of any of the fine, fine stuff from Seed. Check them out. All right, so I got some great news for you. My friends over at this company called Bioptimizers, they put together this irresistible offer. At least I think it's irresistible. They're going to send you a free bottle of their enzyme supplement that pretty much digests protein, whey protein, steak, chicken, you name it, on the spot. Super easy, super clean. No more gas, no more bloating, no more feeling lethargic after heavy meals. That one's called Masszymes. 
but they're also going to give you a free copy of their book from sick to superhuman, a free copy of their ultimate carnivore cookbook, a free copy of their plant-based superfood delights book. That's a bundle with a total value of 81 bucks, but they're going to send it to you free if you just fill out this short form on their website and cover their very small shipping fee. That's a pretty good deal. So Masszymes, by the way, is a powerful enzyme supplement. It improves digestion. It reduces gas and bloating, provides relief from constipation. Bioptimizer has a lot of great products, but Masszymes is kind of their flagship, especially if you eat protein and you want to get the most benefit out of it. Or if you have like leaky gut, gas, bloating, this stuff helps tremendously. So you can go to masszymes.com slash Ben free. There's no strings attached, no automatic subscriptions or renewals, nothing to cancel. Masszymes.com slash Ben Free. M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S dot com forward slash Ben Free. You know, I'm honestly shocked every time I see a bodybuilder or a fitness influencer or anyone really promoting branch chain amino acids, also known as BCAAs. You see these things all over the place. I just don't get it. They only have three of the nine essential amino acids your body needs. They can cause issues like messing with your serotonin levels and depleting your B vitamins. They affect your blood sugar deleteriously and a whole lot more. But, you know, the dark and dirty secret in the supplements industry is that you can make a lot of money off of the overpriced flavored water that is essentially BCAAs. So I use the word essentially, I suppose, quite fittingly, because the alternative are essential amino acids. Essential amino acids actually have all the amino acids your body actually needs. They are great for energy, great for preserving muscle, great for fasting and keeping the appetite satiated, great for for nourishing the body for sleep, good for cognitive performance. They're like the Swiss army knife of supplements, these essential amino acids. I'm blown away by the number of people who have heard me talk about essential amino acids on the podcast who have started using them and who literally feel like they're on steroids without actually being on steroids. Keon is the company that has the perfect ratios perfectly primed for recovery, for muscle maintenance, for muscle building. Keon aminos are better than not only every branch chain amino acid supplement out there, but because they're essential amino acids, in my opinion, based on the ratios, the flavor, watermelon, mango, berry, lime, so good, uh, better than any aminos out there, period. And I'm going to give you a 20% discount for the Keon Aminos. Go to getkeon.com slash Ben Greenfield. That's getkeon.com slash Ben Greenfield. And I'll give you a special discount on your first time purchase of Keon Aminos. I think creatine is also just basically based upon that energy availability equation. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, as, as we talked about in, in one of our last podcasts where we talked about creatine, it's an amino acid. It's an essential molecule in cellular ATP synthesis. And so any tissues that have high demand for glucose, including the brain, including the muscle, are going to be in a more stabilized state or at least experience fewer fluctuations in metabolic rate when the creatine pool is available. And, and yeah, like there, there are some studies directly that, that use EEG analysis and creatine and find that it specifically enhances delta brainwave activity with, with creatine supplementation. That's, that's not like right before bed because your body can store creatine. You can literally take just like creatine on a daily basis, like five grams to keep your levels topped off. And it, it's yet another feather in the cap of creatine that I think a lot of people are unaware of. And, and again, I'm going to use this analogy just because it makes me sound cool and smart, not putting the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart. I don't remember. But anyways, it, it is kind of cool when you start to think about, okay. The trailer so, before the truck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if I've got like a really good sleep supplement and, and we'll talk about some ingredients here in a little bit, like what else could I like stack it with to make the ultimate fuel? Like if I am somebody who exercises a lot, say like, or or is a highly glycolytically uh, active athlete, like could I stack with creatine? Could I stack with 
amino acids? Could I stack with ketones? And I mean, really, in, in my opinion, in my own anecdotal testing thus far, the answer is, is hell yes, especially on an active day. And I think the thing about something like stacking with something like a creatine, which do, it doesn't have as much sleep study as some of the other uh, ingredients that we'll talk about later that or why they got created, got put in Keon sleep is that all these ingredients, including creatine, they're supporting your body in such a way that it allows the natural sleep process to work on its own. It's not like you're, it's not like you're, it's not like you're doping your brain to get it to fall asleep or to go into some specific, uh, mode you're basically just giving it what it needs right or or like the argument with melatonin possibly putting something into your body that from a from an endocrine or hormonal standpoint may downregulate something your body might be making anyways like that i know that was a discussion we had early on we didn't want to create a scenario of uh dependency or downregulation of something that you should be making naturally especially for something you want to take every day i think right. that's the biggest point around something like melatonin it actually can have really great benefits if you're specifically trying to reset your circadian clock. Right. Because that's what it's most tied to. And thus, if you're going to have, I know you've written extensively on this, like if you're going to do some type of intense travel, like internationally, that's actually the time to try to use it when you're trying to reset that clock. Uh, but if you're trying to, you know, give your body what it needs every day to just sleep well and you're practicing overall pretty good sleep habits, there's, I think there's, there's more risk than there is benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, do you do much tracking or in some of the research leading up to, to developing this sleep supplement, did you, did you use a aura or a whoop or start to study like, you know, sleep stages, speed and amplitude of, of waves during sleep, like any of those type of things? Or did you find anything interesting? Are you, I mean, personally, yes, I use a sleep tracker and I've tracked, you know, as we, as we started to practice with this supplement on our own, I tracked my own sleep to see how it improved both my deep sleep and my well, my stage three deep sleep as well as my my stage three non-REM deep sleep as well as my REM sleep and it improved both. In terms of actually how the brain wave patterns work and why different wave patterns are associated with different stages of sleep, yeah, extensively. Uh, is that something you want to get into? Yeah, like I I would love to get a little bit of an overview for folks in terms of what we're actually trying to target when it comes to these sleep stages and, and what, like what, what kind of would be a gold standard from a, from a sleep stage standpoint or, or from a wave standpoint during sleep. Getting back to this around kind of how sleep works and what we're talking about in terms of the waves is if you go back to what I was talking about earlier around the EEG, which is basically putting electrodes on your head and measuring what, what the neuronal activity is. There are different frequencies and amplitudes. So speed, frequencies like how often the wave is going as well as amplitudes meaning how big they are. In a waking state, we call it a beta wave and it's around 14 to 30 hertz. So this is the highest frequency. It's the most often that it's going. And the waves are very small, like they're very short. They're not like these huge amplitude waves. They basically represent a lot of activity across the whole brain that is desynchronized, which would make sense. Like in your waking state, you're having to you're having to deal with all different types of activities, all different types of processes all at the same time. So your brain is firing in different ways across the entire brain all at the same time. Right. The next state is if you say, for example, lie down and close your eyes or begin like a breathing meditation, your brain will go into what we call alpha. And alpha is a, is a slightly um, 
lower frequency. It's nine to 13 Hertz. And again, that's kind of like the frequency of how often these things happen in a minute. Mm -hmm. After that is when we actually talk about what sleep is and sleep begins with, we, we've talked about different stages of sleep in the past, but now we've really gotten down to, there's basically four stages of sleep. Okay. And, and I, I should note, by the way, before you get into sleep stage, like alpha can still be super relaxing. Like some people will use like, you know, one of these light sound machines, like a brain tap or like a new calm or, or something like that, or even a meditation or like a yoga nidra session. And sometimes they'll be just an alpha. But if you're like super hyped up and, and in beta during a lot of the day, even something as simple as like a 20 to 30 minute shift into alpha can be kind of like refreshing just from a nap standpoint. But you're right. Like it's, it's not yet actual sleep. It's, it's kind of like, just like, you know, a, a quick stepping away from full beta or at least a beta alpha combo. Yeah, I would say it's 100% what you described. It's definitely more relaxing. And actually a lot of the kind of initial studies that have been done around GABA and L-theanine really relate directly to this. So helping people, um, reduce beta and increase, increase alpha, which is a much more calm feeling. Um, but it's not unconscious. And also, yeah, meditation kind of lives within the alpha and the theta states. So it's somewhere between, you know, alpha is maybe like those in initial stages if you're doing yoga nidra. If you really go into deep meditation, you can start to go into the theta stage, theta um, state, which theta also overlaps with what is stage one sleep. The stage one, two, and three are all non-REM. And REM is just rapid eye movement, meaning like in REM sleep, if you look at someone, their eyes are literally like moving a lot. Right. <laughs> rapidly. And, and that's uh, not happening during the first three stages. That is not happening during the first three stages. So stage one, which is we call theta, the hertz go down even a little bit more. They go down to four to eight hertz. So it's clear, like from beta to alpha to theta, the hertz are, um, th there's a lower frequency. And this stage is defined by uh, what we call uh, hypnagogic hallucinations that, uh, or maybe when you feel like you're falling and you have those kind of like hypnic jerks, but the hypnagogic hallucinations would be, um, like more ultra realistic visions or little like ideas or things that you see. Uh, it's not like bizarre REM dreams that we associate more with like traditional dreaming. Right. But this, this would be like literally not like rested le restless leg syndrome, but like when your leg kind of jerks or you feel your partner kind of twitch, like that's, that's the type of thing that's happening in that stage one. Yes, exactly. And this theta stage, it's uh, the stage one, which is theta is pretty short. It's like 5% of your sleep. Well, 5% of an adult, it changes, you know, um, over the course of, of your life, <clears throat> but it's pretty short. It's like a few minutes. Then you move into stage two sleep, which is around the same Hertz. It's still like theta waves, but you start getting these things called sleep spindles and K complexes. And so if you actually look at the EEG, if you're looking at a beta and an alpha wave EEG, they're pretty consistent. Like it's just these like little lines, like you would assume. Whereas in stage two, you get these sleep spindles where it's like it, it bunches up really quickly. And then with K complexes, it'll shoot up really high. Um, so it's some type of processing in the brain that is, that's occurring in these kind of bursts of activity in that way. And what's interesting is like this stage two sleep makes up like the bulk of our sleep. Um, and you're, you're pretty, you're pretty deep in here, but you're not at your deepest stage. After that, you move into stage three. And in the past, um, 
deep sleep, which is stage three, was broken apart into stage three and stage four. But since then, as they've analyzed more EEGs, it's, it's just gotten simplified into stage three. Uh, and that's what we call the delta wave, which is the slowest wave. It's less than four hertz. And it has the highest amplitude. And I think what's, what's most interesting about this is if you go back and compare this to the beta wave of wake, which is like 14 to 30 hertz, it's really fast. It's these little tiny waves shaking really fast. And you maybe equate that to like white noise, just like buzzing. These much less frequent but higher amplitude waves rec uh, represent the neurons in the brain acting in greater coordination and moving more slowly together. So it's almost like the difference of like white noise and like a symphony playing all together, like a symphony like was like warming up <laughs> during wake with white noise. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And then like the stage three delta is like the whole symphony playing slowly in perfect coordination together. And that's why we call the delta stage synchronized brain activity and the beta uh, unsynchronized. It's like kind of chaos versus yeah, very it, it almost like when you go to the orchestra and they're warming up in the pit and then eventually they start playing and it's all synchronized, but it sounds like it just all, even though they're, they're doing something and they're getting ready to do something, it hasn't quite synced up yet. And you're saying in stage three, that's when everything kind of syncs up. Exactly. And then kind of bizarrely, <laughs> the stage three quickly goes back through like stage two and stage one, and then you land in REM. And REM is just not like those other stages of sleep. A few things change. From a, from a wave perspective, suddenly you get beta waves again. So the brain activity looks like you're awake, but you're clearly asleep. The other thing that happens is that your body becomes paralyzed. Now basically, certain functions occur in the brain that keep that that control your all your motor movements and ensure that you're paralyzed. And the reason for that is because your brain is so active. And this is the part when you are most likely to dream and like more bizarre, like weird dreams. And it makes sense that your body needs to be kind of paralyzed because otherwise you'd be acting them out and, and moving around, etc. So basically, this whole phase, so going from uh, stage one all the way to REM is about 90 minutes. And then we do it again. And then we do it again. And then we do it again. And and so when people say sleep cycles, those are the cycles they're referring to. Those are the cycles that they're referring to. And the only the main changes that occur in the cycles over over the period of night is that progressively so earlier in the night the the uh the non-REM sleep is longer and the REM sleep is shorter. And progressively through the night, that switches and the rim becomes longer and longer and the non-rim becomes shorter and shorter. So uh, arguably then if the non-rim becomes shorter and shorter as the night goes on, you might actually say that you dream more like kind of like after midnight or closer towards the wee hours of the morning than you do in your early phases of sleep. Yes. You are spending more time in rim sleep and thus have more opportunity to dream. Hmm. Interesting. That's fascinating. So, so when people are tracking and they're looking at this stuff, that's basically everything that they see. And obviously we just had a, we just had daylight savings time, which kind of throws a, a little bit of a wrench into this equation. You know, it's, it's great for, I think it was like a world war, 
one or world war two, uh, uh, strategy to save on fuel by allowing people to, uh, have more daytime light. But obviously for about the first week that thing kicks in, it messes with circadian rhythms and they show them there's like impacts on sleep. There's impacts on like kids function. There's impact on productivity. There's even an impact on like the overall GDP and the economy just from, from work loss and people sleep getting a little bit, a little bit crazy. But in terms of these, uh, these circadian rhythms, like, do you actually see a significant shift forwards, backwards, amount of time split in each cycle? Did, did you look at anything like that? Is your question with, with changes to daylight savings time? Well, I guess more, more specifically, like, yeah, like, like what are circadian rhythms and how do they affect sleep? So circadian rhythms are bigger than sleep. I'd say that's the most important thing to say first. Circadian rhythms, naturally, all animals that live on planet Earth have lived on a planet that have been that's been dictated by cycles of um, day and night. And I'm saying thus, but it seems pretty obvious, like all animals then actually have daily rhythms Um, and whether those rhythms include, you know, sleep at night and awake during the day or the inverse, they all have some kind of cycle like that. They also have cycles around. Uh, metabolism, they have cycles around digestion, they have cycles around hormones, et cetera, that can be impacted by sleep, but also to some degree actually operate on their own. So circadian rhythms, sleep is one thing that they impact. And circadian rhythms actually function inherently within animals and within humans on their own outside of even uh, cues of light and darkness. So if you if you take an animal and they've done these studies, where you literally take them out of the natural environment and you put them only in dark, um, literally you will still see these cycles occurring and you can measure actual the, the brain activity in similar ways we were talking about earlier based on that. That said, light is probably is the number one most important thing that cues the circadian rhythm. There are other things, like we talked about earlier with melatonin, you can actually like hack it and support it by um, um, taking that, that specific hormone to actually support your circadian rhythm reset. But yeah, so if you get inputs of light at different times, it will impact um, how your circadian rhythm functions. And this actually has a lot to do with why people in Nordic countries um, can end up actually having different types of circadian rhythm disorders. It has to do with why when you travel over long distances, like why jet lag happens. And especially with something like jet lag, like our bodies um, adapted over time to be able to, you know, maybe travel over a time zone, right, in a day, <laughs> or travel over maybe a couple time zones in a couple days or something, but not travel all the way around the world. I don't so know. I've, I've I've got like medallion status on Delta. I think I've actually evolved as a human being <laughs> due to my my extent of airline I travel. I don't doubt that <laughs> with you, Ben. I would not doubt that the amount of travel that you've done and the amount of uh, in one experiments you've done, you might have uh, you might have fundamentally changed your genes, but uh, yeah, that it's, it's very difficult, um, to basically the impact of light, which are called phase shifts or phase advances, a phase delays or phase advances when the light is introduced can dramatically kind of mess up how your circadian rhythm works. So, um, overall, what your circadian rhythm does is it tells your body when certain things should happen and basically holds back the need to feel like you need to be tired until it thinks you need to be tired. So if you have a delay with that, then uh, if you have an issue with that, then it will it will dramatically um, hamper sleep. I think that a lot of the types of things that we're talking about 
today and even like the formulation of Keon sleep is not directly to shift circadian rhythm. Like, like, like melatonin would do, for example. Yeah, I think circadian rhythm is way, it's going to be way more about really good daily sleep habits, like when it, when you go to sleep and when you wake up, exercise. Um, it's it's kind of like broader behavioral things that will have a bigger bigger impact on that, unless you literally have some kind of um, significantly altered like medical issue. Yeah. That being said, I'd be remiss not to mention that when we're talking about jet lag and circadian rhythmicity, obviously light exercise meal when you get to where you're going, preferably with a lot of protein in it the first time that the people eat in the new section of the world that you happen to be in, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of these sleep practices, but the one that I think is important that sometimes flies under the radar for people is how impactful the gut biome is on circadian rhythmicity and on jet lag. I think that in the same way that a lot of people will use melatonin, and I've even referred to that before as like a melatonin sledgehammer the first couple of nights when you get to where you're going. Uh, same thing with the biome, uh, actually traveling with some type of like a well formulated probiotic because of the link between the biome and jet lag seems to do a really helpful job for a lot of people in terms of re-regulating that circadian clock. But again, these are not things that would be like every night type of scenario this, you know, these are examples of, you know, and this is why we're laying down a body of knowledge for you guys in this podcast is be like, okay, so you travel and maybe you're exercising less when you travel. Maybe you need less brain food, so to speak, and your travel stack. But, but let's say like anxiety and stress is higher and you're jet lagged. Well, your, your sleep stack might be like key on sleep with melatonin, a probiotic, and like a little CBD or phosphatidylcholine for the stress component. Or maybe you're just in your normal environment, so you're rocking it, you're training hard. So in that case, you could like use key on sleep and combine it with like some creatine some ketones and some aminos. So that that's what I love is is like at least in in my initial testing so far, you kind of like get your base foundation needs met with Keon Sleep and then you can just kind of like go on and like throw any other little fun things in there that you want to. But I, that's that's what I think I really want to get across to people is this is it's pretty pretty foundational. But there was one thing Angelo that you know when we were talking about the purpose of sleep, we did talk speaking of brain energy reserves about that, but we didn't talk about was one of the thing that's that I think is important that we should touch on and that's the idea of how you you actually like especially if you're learning or you're studying, like there's something that happens with, uh, with like learning during sleep, right? Yeah, absolutely. And th this is an example of significant clinical research specifically on humans actually, um, performing tasks. <laughs> so, uh, people being given, uh, a task to try to memorize uh, a set of figures, uh, information, organize information, actually everything from, uh, from being able to just memorize information to actually memorize information and then pull insights out of it. Like say you're trying to go through a task of, of solving problems that involves memorization, but then also being able to discover that there's maybe like a, a cheat code to it or a simpler way of doing it. All of these are dramatically improved by sleep. And in most cases, sleep that night. So it's not the kind of thing where it's like, you know, you can study really hard and then not sleep and then study really hard and not sleep and then sleep a bunch over the weekend and then it's going to make up for it. Like, no, like literally you have to sleep the day of uh, when you were trying to perform that task to improve your your memory. Interestingly, both memory and the ability for kind of more um, 
creative insight, problem solving potential. Interestingly, though, too, you know, I think in earlier sleep research, there was a lot of excitement around the idea of like, wow, maybe you could, you know, listen to foreign languages while you sleep, you know, and like actually be learning while you sleep. And they did studies on it and it didn't work. But something that they have more recently done, and I think there's a lot of promise for it. I'm like, man, I wish I could be part of one of these studies or, you know, I don't know, hire someone to do it for me, is if you participate in certain types of uh, learning or memory-based activities during the day, and you have a sensorial cue, they've, they've mostly done this with scents, like so they have a specific scent that you smell, and then at certain stages of your sleep, they reintroduce the scent, they had markedly improved uh, memory of what you had studied earlier in the day, the next day. So there's actually ways of like cueing the part of your right. brain. Not cueing only, in this case, like via, via like olfactory receptors. Yes. Yeah. And actually cueing the brain then to actually uh, even more deeply process and store that that memory. So uh, just purely there's benefit to to sleeping. Like it's, it's very clear, but also there might be really exciting new ways of, of yeah. even improving your memory more. Yeah. That, that memory thing is, it's so relevant. Like you, you can literally, if you're studying for a test where you have a specific type of music or a specific type of uh, scent like lavender peppermint or cinnamon or whatever, even a specific type of supplement that you have consumed when you're studying that you then take again when you're on the test. It's really interesting how much that increases your ability to be able to recall the thing that your body associates with that sensory stimulus. So I, I just think that's absolutely fascinating. And then the other thing that's super interesting when it comes to learning and memory consolidation, a little bit more woo, but I do this. Like I will program my subconscious before I go to sleep. If I have a problem, you know, like when, when people tell you they're going to walk on something or they're going to, you know, maybe pray about something, you know, the same thing for sleeping on something. Like you can literally just kind of program your subconscious to hum away at something while you're sleeping and then wake up and have insight into the answer. And I do that very often. I'll tell people, Hey, you know, I'm going to get back to you tomorrow. And then that's something that I won't even write it down. I'll just, before I fall asleep, just think about that email or think about that problem or think about that question. Dude. I mean, when you say that, I feel like you're, you're already doing a form of like this, this dream journaling type activity I was doing before, but rather than like taking the dreams and then interpreting them like during your day life, right? You're taking day problems and sending them back kind of into your sleep world, which I, I've also definitely experimented with in terms of kind of like deeper uh, emotional stuff, which is very interesting that both non-REM and REM are tied to different types of memory consolidation. And REM is the one that's the most tied, as far as we can tell, to, as I mentioned earlier, reducing emotional valence of memories. And mm -hmm. that is why people with PTSD have, have such issues around their, their REM sleep. But, but another thing I think you're going to love, I don't know if you've heard this story, but it's been pretty well documented. Thomas Edison actually had this uh, style or this. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I think I know what you're getting at. Yeah, tell this story. This is fascinating. It's so interesting. So he had this approach where he would sleep on this bench, this kind of uncomfortable bench in his lab, and he'd hold ball bearings in his hand. And then when he hit a certain stage of sleep, which I think was like really actually passing from the stage one to the stage two sleep, it would make it to where he dropped his hand and the, um, and the ball bearings would drop and it would wake him up. And it's, I think other people have used this as well, that actually in that stage, that stage one sleep, which is this kind of lighter theta, which also is tied to certain stages of meditation, you can get very clear, direct insight to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually, it's kind of funny because there's like this book you and I have been 
talking about recently or emailing back and forth, The Road Less Stupid, which is a great business book, but a big part of that book is related to thinking time, like carving out actual thinking time. And even though he doesn't get into the concept of an Edison-like, you know, light non-REM dream state to solve problems, it is interesting because, you know, arguably if you're sitting there as this author, I forget the guy's name who wrote the book, uh, The Road Less Stupid. I think it was like Keith... Keith, somebody I want to say. Anyways, if people look it up on Amazon, you'd find it. So he's sitting there with a pen and a journal, holding a pen in his right hand, just like minimally distracted, probably in a significant alpha zone, I would think, and probably achieving something close to like that non-REM dream state that Edison was getting into in terms of just shifting the body into, or the brain specifically, into an undistracted state of being better able to solve problems. I, I, I actually, like since I read that book, I've actually carved out time in the morning to just like sit there and freaking like not be productive and just think like not even with the intention of meditating or praying, like literally just sit there and think about stuff or think about problems or think about relationship difficulties. And it's, I mean, it, it's, um, it's one of those things where a lot of people be like, Oh, I need more thinking time. Like I need another hole in the head. Cause I can't fabricate an hour in the day. But usually the people who say that actually do need to have more thinking time or meditative time because they're going to find some things that they're doing that they probably shouldn't be doing or discover more efficient ways to go about what they're doing to free up time. So yeah, that, that's really interesting though. I'd heard that story about Thomas Edison before. It's, it's, it's just fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And that guy, Keith Cunningham is that yeah, author. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that a great, it doesn't have anything to do with sleep, but it's a great book for yeah. anyone who hasn't checked it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I want to, I actually would love to start to talk about, um, you know, we, we know about sleep hygiene, right? Now I have, I have honestly like kicked that horse to death on the show before. Keep your room cold, keep things quiet. Don't do business in bed. You know, don't even keep like intellectually stimulating books on the nightstand, uh, you know, wear earplugs or play sleep noises like brain FM or new calm or sleep stream. Like we've talked about a lot of that stuff before, but when it comes to specifically shifting the brain using, using like nutraceuticals or, or chemicals or supplements. I mean, like that's something that you've taken a deep dive into. So I'd, I'd love to hear that story and what and why you actually settled on as like the go-to things to actually shift the brain into the state that you would want it shifted into for getting the sleep quality and the alignment of the rhythms that you've just gotten done explaining. Yeah, absolutely. And before I go too much in that detail, I just want to name again, we have like a team of researchers and look through all different types of potential ingredients, uh, potential impacts, mechanistic studies, human behavioral studies, like, you know, just yeah, to you, figure you, you out mean like, it, you what's mean actually at, worth it. You mean at Keon, we have that. At Keon, yeah. yeah, at I, Keon, yeah I, like, I think we, some people think like you and I just like go on walks and read Men's Health <laughs> magazine and be like, oh, this would look good in a bottle, but it's, uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot you know, more to it than cool. that. Oh, people really like yeah. this, we should make this thing because that's yeah. like what's hot or something. Yeah. No, it's like, we're like, we really are trying to make the best thing. And we're trying to learn about it in the process too. Like what, what do we want to take? You know, like what, what actually makes sense to you and me that is worth ingesting every day and making that foundation of, of our daily sleep habits. So there's a lot of different interesting mechanistic studies that you can look at in animals. Uh, but I think what's most interesting is what, what do we want as humans? Like what, you know, what's going to make us sleep better? And there really are like three key components that come up again and again. The first one, and these are all things that we can measure. The first one is sleep latency. 
So when we get in bed, can we just go to sleep? Or does it latency meaning how long it takes you? Or does it take you a really long time to even fall asleep? Because if it does, then you're kind of wasting that time in bed. And not only that, actually, it's shown that if you spend too much time in bed and you can't go to bed quickly, then um, it can actually interfere with later sleep processes right. as well. So right. like, you definitely want to like get in bed, fall asleep. The way I think about it, by the way, is latency is late. Like you think like late. I fell asleep later than I wanted to. So I had high sleep latency. So if you have low sleep latency, fall asleep faster. High sleep latency takes a longer time to fall asleep. Exactly. The second one is sleep disturbances. So that would be, do you end up waking up a lot during the night? Or do you have kind of more consistent sleep throughout the night? And it is the case that the younger you are, typically during your sleep cycles, you have less sleep disturbances. And the older you get, kind of the more like chaotic uh, average sleep every night becomes in terms of um, waking up multiple times, different sleep cycles getting disrupted, et cetera. And it's very clear that being able to actually stay consistently asleep in both non-REM and REM, in both non-REM states and the, and the REM state is critical to overall sleep quality, which, you know, sleep apnea is like the best version of that where people sleep basically all night, but they're waking up multiple times throughout the night and it's disrupting all of the processes that are occurring in sleep. And then the third one is sleep, sleep quality. And sleep quality is really measured most of all by what people report when they wake up. So like when I wake up, do I feel groggy? Do I feel well rested? Do I feel sharp? And am I able to perform skills better than than I would have been if I, you know, had a worse quality sleep? So that's that's really what we targeted. Like that that's the main focus. Right. So so late, late latency, disturbances, and quality. Overall quality. Okay. And then when we take that frame, you know, the next, you know, the next big kind of idea or question is, is this for people with lots of sleep problems? Are you trying to, tar like we were talking about earlier, like, is it for like jet lag or is it like, no, like we're literally just trying to support ourselves in sleeping better every night. And what are the optimal ways that we can support that? So when you take that perspective, it really does become like a nutritional perspective. Cause when you think about it, it's like to sleep better. It's all the, all the daily habit stuff that you've gone through so many times in podcasts and blogs. It's like removing artificial light, exercising, but it's also nutrition. And so how can we supplement, which is the purpose of dietary supplements, like how can we supplement our diet to ensure that we have everything that we need to have the best sleep that we can on every night? And how can we ensure that these nutrients that we're taking in aren't going to cause other problems, that they're really going to basically give us what we need, not create side effects, and ultimately like lead to lower sleep latency, reduce sleep disturbance, and overall sleep quality. Right. When you take that approach and you look at every ingredient out there, there's only a few that really do it. And there's some that are really hot and cool and that people talk about and that you think like, oh, you got to put that in there, like melatonin or magnesium. When you review the research, that's just not that's just not what comes out. Yeah, and and there were by by the way, just real quick, there were two. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say two other big things for me that you didn't mention. That would be a, like there's some stuff I can take that makes me sleep like a freaking princess, but it's like till 10 a.m. when I'm not groggy anymore, and that's like super high dose melatonin unless I just blast myself with blue light devices. And then any of those like CBD supplements that are full spectrum or contain any amount of THC in them. Like, yeah, you sleep great, but you got to do a lot of the stims in the morning. And then you get on this cycle, like stimulating during the day, then trying to knock yourself out again at night. That was one train that I didn't want to create. 
and wanted to get off of. And then the other thing was I wanted something that I could take, but if I stopped taking it, it wouldn't give me like insomnia withdrawal. It wouldn't be like, oh, I'm on trip traveling. I forgot this. I'm screwed now because I have some dependency on something that my body quit making because I was taking this. Like those were two other super important things for me at least. Totally. Which I think is basically summed up on what can like what can we use regularly for long-term improved sleep quality? I want to use this every day, not have issues from it. It's going to make my life better. And with that, there's really three ingredients that came out um, that had more research behind them. And that once we started, once we started, you know, using them as well consistently and in combination, they proved to have the most benefit. And those are, uh, (laughs) I promise we didn't plan this. Every time I say it, I'm like, I can't believe it only because like key on aminos is our, is our like hero product is these are all three amino acids and they're theanine, GABA and tryptophan. And they each have distinct reasons about why they work so well. Um, but you know, just quick review of the research basically is tryptophan while it almost sounds, uh, you know, like cliche i mean i, only, I just think about like my like right. when i was younger turkey. people talk about like turkey warm you know? milk but, yeah but really it's like yeah that's why that's why it's talked about that way it's like creatine people you know everyone wants some new super sexy you know way to get strong it's like man creatine works that's why it's been studied for like 40 years and has all this research tryptophan is very similar to that it has so many studies behind it and there was a great recent meta-analysis about a year or two years ago that looked at all of them and that concluded very clearly that one gram of tryptophan daily, which is also tied to like uh, kind of general nutritional guidance as well, but one gram of tryptophan around 30 minutes before bed directly contributed to reduce sleep latency, reduce sleep disturbance and overall um, quality of sleep. And could you clarify real quick for people when you say tryptophan, are you talking like 5-HTP, which a lot of people hear about, or, or are we just talking about just tryptophan? L-tryptophan, the essential amino acid. L-tryptophan. Yeah, so 5-HTP is an interesting ingredient that we did consider as well. Um, And it's actually, uh, tryptophan is a precursor of 5-HTP. And 5-HTP is a precursor of serotonin. And serotonin is a precursor of melatonin. The reason why we went with tryptophan over 5-HTP is because way more research, way more proven benefit, and no, no, like no to very limited documented side effects. Whereas with 5-HTP, it's kind of more clouded and people having issues with it. It creates yeah. other types of yeah, just issues. I know lots of yeah. people can't take it. I go uh, back, freaks my wife out. Like she gets just like crazy dreams and can't sleep. And she's like in and out and super restless. And I, that's actually what I was concerned about when I got some of our initial batches to test. I'm like, eh, is this going to do what, what 5-HTP does? But it doesn't. Like it, it literally more produces like, you know, I've talked about this. People have been watching my social media. I'm like, I don't take the key on sleep until I'm at least 15 minutes out and already in bed from my planned sleep time. Cause otherwise I get like Turkey dinner syndrome almost right away. Like, like it's too much for me. If I take it like right before I read my kids, their bedtime story or whatever, I will literally like fall asleep in their bed while I'm reading them the story. Which is honestly a remarkable best of both worlds. Because typically if you take an ingredient like that, that is that, uh, set it like that, that sedating, you're going to feel like terrible the next day. Like there's no way something does that. But what's interesting about the choice of tryptophan and then the very limited side effects, if any, is that 
and I, and this is the way that I'm interpreting it. So this is, I'm getting into speculation here because there's, there's not enough research of it comparing it against 5-HTP, but that it actually gives your body the core nutrients that it needs, which you could get tryptophan from eating a bunch of poultry, drinking tons of milk, like doing other things. It really is. It's just an essential amino acid. It gives your body the opportunity to process it, to turn it into the appropriate amount of 5-HTP and serotonin and melatonin and to regulate, to, to basically self-regulate itself. You're not kind of like, 5-HTP is not a drug, but it's it's you're getting closer to um, you're getting closer to like the direct impact itself versus allowing your body to process it. Now, someone can make the exact argument on GABA because we we put GABA directly in the formula. That said, with GABA, GABA is a much more mild. While it's very predominant and it's basically the primary inhibitory transmitter, it um, it just doesn't have those kinds of effects. It it's uh, it basically it just it lightly inhibits uh, these uh, these other activities of the brain versus kind of the intensity of maybe uh, tons of serotonin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I think um, GABA again. That's why I've described on the stove many times before. It's like that inhibitory neurotransmitter. It's why people like the glass of wine before they go to bed, right? Like a lot of people these days, they will either target the endocannabinoid system by hitting a vape pen or taking CBD or using some edible to help them fall asleep, or they will also have alcohol, like glass of wine. You know, I was going to say mug of beer, but that's kind of old school. A can of I don't. I'm not a beer guy. What do you even drink beer out of? A growler. A beer, a, a, a glass of yeah. beer. I don't know. I but, never drink beer. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Anyways, though. So you do that. and then We're going to alienate the vegans and right. the beer drinkers today. Right. And you get a little bit of a GABA relief. Problem is it just Fs with your sleep architecture big time. So, so yeah, just like the pure GABA seems to work. So, so the tryptophan and the GABA are interesting. But then the last component is really interesting, the theanine, because for the longest time, that's what I've recommended to people to combine with their coffee to like get, make coffee, give them like this alpha brainwave focus, long buzz without the crash and to kind of like upgrade a cup of coffee. Like you have your coffee, but you take about a hundred milligrams of L-theanine with it. And so I think a lot of people associate L-theanine as being like this focus, creativity, wake you up, you know, hone you in the zone, nootropic. They don't really associate it with sleep, but holy cow, like, especially when combined with the GABA and the tryptophan, like it's like you, you can almost feel your brainwave kind of like just shift like, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It's actually very interesting about both theanine and GABA. Both can be used during the day very consistently. And, and I mean, lower doses of tryptophan as well, um, specifically for mood regulation. And really, uh, you know, there's tons of EEG studies specifically around theanine, moving your brain from the beta to the alpha, as well as GABA which we described as part of the body's natural process of moving into sleep. So you don't jump from the beta 14 to 30 hertz just immediately into the theta 4 to 8 hertz. You actually go through that alpha process. So, I mean, mechanistically it makes sense. But then on top of that, there's very clear studies for the theanine of directly improving sleep latency, uh, minimizing sleep disturbance, and improving sleep quality as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I, I did a few screenshots of my sleep score after I after I started taking this stuff, and it was like ninety, ninety nine, ninety, and and just super duper interesting. Like, I, I actually didn't expect it to work that well when I first got it. Sometimes that happens, you know. Like, we're looking at the human clinical research, we're seeing what they say stuff does, but it's kind of honestly, it's kind of fun to like get the final bottle and try it. Like, you feel like a pioneer kind of when you're like, all right. 
well, here we go. Let's see how this stuff works. Did you, did you experience the same thing when you got your first bottle? Totally. And even before that, like hacking it together, you know, with like the individual ingredients and trying it, it's fun. But when you actually get the final bottle and you get it, um, I mean, there's another point too. It's like, we can try to buy like really nice ingredients through, like, I can try to buy really nice other ingredients over the counter, but like, I know all the highly detoured, detailed sourcing and that we're literally buying the nicest absolute highest quality tryptophan theanine and GABA and when I took it the first time I was like man that's that like that's that like dank theanine GABA and tryptophan like gosh it is like quality yeah it's crazy I think yeah I think the term dank is not in my vernacular at least wasn't until (laughs) you used it now it is it's dank baby should have called it Keon dank the uh the interesting thing that you alluded to though there I think a lot of people don't understand this like we really do look for high quality shit like Big time. And that that's a differentiating characteristic. And then, you know, we don't have to, you know, make this a commercial per se, but can you just touch on that briefly just so people freaking get it? Yeah. I mean, I'll just give a perfect example of it so that I don't go too much into, I don't know, bragging or something. When you choose GABA, there's tons of different GABAs you could choose. Look at the actual research. It's all done on PharmaGABA. And PharmaGABA is a lot more expensive I don't know, like at least somewhere probably between three and 10 times more expensive as a raw ingredient than just buying other forms of GABA. The other forms of GABA, though, I tested them too, like personally, they didn't really work. And um, and there's just not even the scientific literature under them, uh, um, you know, to support them. So it's about making choices like that, where that really is the highest quality ingredient. And on other ones where it's maybe not, you know, branded or studied in that specific way, like pharma is, we are like, we're pouring over the quality specs of these raw ingredients. And we're the most annoying, like all, everyone we work with thinks we're like the most annoying (laughs) company because we're just so neurotic about every little speck and every quality thing. And you know, why is it like that? And like, if if it's cheaper, it's like, why is it cheaper? You know, like, I mean, if it's cheap, if it's, if it's less, if it's more affordable because we can buy in bulk or something, that's great. But like, there better be, we don't want sacrifices on anything. I mean, I'm, I'm taking this every day. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sacrifice that. And I don't want to put that in the body of any of my friends or family or any of our customers. Um, we just, we're yeah, just really robust. And so that's wrong ingredient testing, you know, uh, the, the actual finished product testing to just degrees that other people don't, um, I think typically think they need to pay for and invest in. And we, we do. Yeah. I mean, same, same thing for, the creatine, same thing for the whey protein, same thing for a bar, same thing for the coffee. Like that's what I like is like, cause my pantry is just like a giant freaking like key on billboard. And, and yeah, I know part of it is I get a good deal on this stuff. Cause I, I co-founded the company with you, but you know, part of it is like, that's why we did this. We wanted to scratch our own itch and just say, Hey, the basic stuff, we don't want to break the bank. We want it to be high quality. We want it to work. So we want some for sleep. We want some for immunity. We want, we want some for muscle building. We want something for, for uh, fat loss and carbohydrate management. Like, and just like the basic stuff, but then like, um, I guess not fancy, but efficacious, but the fact that it's not fancy and we're not using like some fringe superfood from the Amazon, it's affordable, right? It's, it's, it's not going to break your bank. I, I don't even remember what's a bottle of key on sleep cost right now. Uh, it costs fifty nine ninety five if you buy one. Um, but if you subscribe, you get uh, 10% off. And actually if you use the bin code, oh. um, you get 20% off for life. Oh, there we go. I don't so even know what the bin to, code is, but well, it's not a bin code. Actually, I think if you just go to, uh, 
getkeon.com forward slash Ben Greenfield, yeah. then you can get twenty. You can get twenty percent off that. Uh, right. So that's like so uh, six bucks. So so yeah, like like around fifty bucks. So so basically, like, and it's three capsules. I've tried taking more. I don't get more of an effect from more. Like three is the sweet spot. So that's basically like fifty bucks for a whole month of amazing sleep. And but the interesting thing, Angela, I don't know if you've tried this, but have you taken any before a nap? Because I started to pop it before my nap, just theorizing that hey, you know, like you mentioned, theanine and Gabby don't make you drowsy. Tryptophans, you know, it, it's it's something that you can totally have during the day. It just kind of shifts you into that like afternoon siesta mode, and it's working for me right now to lay down for a nap. But if my brain is buzzing and all wired up from what I've done for work that morning, it literally just like shifts me into that same state. But for a nap, because I nap typically like twenty to forty minutes, and I wake up and I'm good to go and ready for like this second day that a nap gives me. But it doesn't make me drowsy. Have you have you popped any before a nap? I hadn't done it until you actually brought it up to me, and then I did try it, and it makes a lot. It worked great, and it makes sense again because of this this alpha wave hypothesis. You know that it's like by taking these ingredients, you're reducing your beta and increasing the alpha, and so just like really quickly moving into this calmer more focused space um, and allowing your body to like really enjoy those first two stages of sleep. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And so I get, get to like intellectually why, why it works. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So let, let me think that we, we covered uh, the L theanine, the GABA, the tryptophan, what it's actually doing to your sleep stages, what it stacks well with. I mean, like if you're an athlete, you could toss some creatine, some aminos and, and some ketones in there. Your, if you're like a you know hardcore exercise enthusiast, if you're traveling, you toss a little melatonin and CBD in there on top of it. Um, and then, I mean, really, like if you've got your light, your sound, your, your silence, your avoidance of business in the bedroom, I mean, like this is pretty much it. Like I feel like, at least for me personally, at this stage of my life, I feel like I've actually decoded sleep. Like it's not a mystery to me anymore at all, which sounds dumb because I'm like in the fitness and health sector and I've been in it for 20 years and I'm just now getting this shit figured out. But like this seems, this seems like it was like the last feather in the cap for me once we came out with this. I love to hear that, man. And I mean, really, and especially from you where it's like you have, you've experimented with so many things, you've tried everything and, uh, yeah, man, it's just it's awesome to hear that for someone like you, it works. Yeah, it works for me. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, I've been on it for yeah. for quite a, for quite a while now, and it's, it's the best sleep of my life. Honestly, like that that was really what I wanted to cover as far as as everything on sleep, dreams, the ingredients in this stuff. Uh, I don't know if there was anything else that you wanted to add in, Angela. I, I did want to mention to people again, I'll, I'll put all the show notes at bengreenfieldfitness.com slash sleep podcast. Although that discount, if you just want to go straight and get it, it's getkeon.com slash uh, bengreenfield. Um, so Angela, if, if there's anything you want to add in, let me know. But then like, we kind of have to keep up our tradition here. And before we do actually part ways, you have to at least give people, even if just a, a very, very short one, a little taste of your beatboxing just because like <laughs> that's, that's our thing. Right, bro. Okay. Yeah. I should, I should have prepared like a, I don't know, like a more mellow sleep, 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 podcast. Oh wait, you don't need to be <laughs> That's, that's mine. I, I just crushed it. The one, the one thing I will add that I think is important is, um, is around how this product, uh, works with other products because we've act, we've started to get those questions like hey can I take this with aminos can I take this with creatine and clearly you've just endorsed that that that's safe Ben um, 
It is. And I would just name that all Kion products we formulate in such a way so that people can take all of them. And so there's not any kind of major contraindications that uh, occur between them. So it's totally safe to take with all the other products. Right. You're not going to um, wake up with explosive diarrhea from a tryptophan overdose if you stack this with like 10 grams of amino before you go to bed. I Yeah, I, it, that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> That's what I'll say. But, uh, Anecdotally. No. <laughs> Anecdotally. Uh, and, you know, on that point, I think there's one more thing maybe to highlight about how we think about product formulation. Um, there are lots of other good ingredients. So, and I, I didn't mean to like say anything bad about magnesium earlier. Like magnesium is a great supplement for lots of different reasons. Just the, the clinical studies around sleep, it's just, it's just not there there like these other ingredients are. And it honestly plays on similar um, mechanisms of action around GABA. They yeah. just aren't. And they just aren't necessary to put into a, a sleep supplement, but that doesn't mean like don't take no. I like I, I take, take magnesium yeah, with this. I take magnesium, like I, I take magnesium, and I take it at night. But I don't take it because of the data I've seen on sleep. Like, well, I'll shoot straight with you. I take it because it makes my stool soft the next morning. <laughs> like, and I know <laughs> yeah, magnesium's good for reason. a lot of other stuff, but I literally just use it because it makes me poop better the next morning. Yeah, so it's, it's a good reason. I think a lot of people yeah. do it for that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and on that point, too, the reason why, because we could have um, included something like magnesium or a host of other ingredients, is we just don't include things. And I feel like we get this feedback sometimes, like, well, I looked at this other product and it's got like 10 ingredients. Why don't you have all 10 ingredients? It's like, well, because those other seven ingredients didn't have the scientific studies behind them on real human beings. Maybe they had like very limited studies on, on animals and it didn't even make enough sense to include them. Like it's just not something that is really clearly effective and safe for us to take every single day. What I would say some um, other brands may do and that we work really hard not to do is not just put something in because it sounds good or to put something in at a dose that's not real. If we put in a hundred milligrams of tryptophan only, which some other brands do, or some herb or botanical, chamomile or valerian root, because it's got cool traditional heritage and it, it makes sense as something to support sleep, but we just kind of make up an amount to put in. And suddenly it's like, oh, cool, it's got all these other things in it, but there's no clinical studies behind it that actually show that it does works or right. that it works at that amount. Like there's a meta-analysis showing one gram of tryptophan is when it really, it has this impact on sleep. Like we're not gonna put in less. So. Just saying again, like we, we put in the right amount. We don't fairy dust and put in things just cause like we put in the right amount of the right ingredients that actually make sense to make people's lives better. Yeah. And, and again, like, like not to, not to throw anybody under the bus, but you can take a whole bunch of studies, put them all together, make some that looks fancy, you know, sprinkle a little bit of this and a little bit of that in and say that is for a particular need, but that's just not what we do. We look at the human clinical research that shows that it actually works, which I love. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm cool with the whole, like, oh, this has been used in Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years or whatever, but that's just, we just decided not to do that at Keon, um, which I'm totally cool with because it seems to be working for people and it works for me and now I'm sleeping and now I just came up with a great idea. I think our next supplement should be called Keon poop and, uh, just, be, just open <laughs> just it up. Magnesium. It's just like a whole ass load of magnesium. Yeah. Keon poop. Um, actually that is a good idea. Maybe, maybe we should, maybe we should grab that URL just for, yeah. Somebody grab keonpoop.com and, uh, Angela, you want to beatbox us out? Yeah, I'll beatbox us out. I'm trying to do something more gentle. Okay. <laughs>
Fresh. Yeah, sleep. Baby. Sleep well. Sleep well. Good night, everybody. Go to bengreenfieldfitness.com slash sleep podcast for the show notes. Until next time, I'm Ben Greenfield with Angelo Keeley signing out from bengreenfieldlight.com. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed, and often outside-the-box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it, or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be, and just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot.